studio working right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Man, in the studio working and talking to the squad, you heard? Man, so this is the Museum of Creative Human Art, where we continue to inspire the creation of art in underserved communities. I'm Michael Russell. I'm Antoine Washington. And today we have Cleveland's own Terry Joshua, man. I appreciate you coming in today and uh, just sitting, sitting with us for a while, man, to have conversation, man. So these conversations are just really centered around uh, making sure that we, we highlight the artist's journey. Uh, man, I know uh, you're, you're still young in the game, man, and I know the journey hasn't been too long. However, uh, there, there's experience there. There's, there's, uh, there's a story there. There is history, man. And so I know uh, we just want to make sure that we have conversation. People get an opportunity to get to know Terry Joshua, man. I appreciate you again. No, thank you all for letting me uh, have an opportunity to speak, you know, give a, a different perspective outside of just using social media. Or even just the show, so we can get a little bit more personal. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. And so Terry is uh, is visiting us, uh, man, off of uh, a great month of people getting to know you and, and being able to see your artwork live and in person. Uh, off of the show, The Pink is Hue, where we exhibited his work at the Museum of Contemporary Art, where the Museum of Creative Human Art has a institutional residency for a year, where we just really want to highlight um those young artists, those aspiring African-American, not just African-American, but those that are really interested in pursuing a career in the, in the arts. And so uh, Terry is one of the, uh, the, the the few that were able to uh, exhibit their work. And again, it's the pinkest hue. So, man, if you can kind of just uh, give us a give us some insight on why, uh, why the pinkest hue? What, what made you come up even with the name? The pink is hue. Yeah, so the idea of the show was definitely sitting on my heart for a long time. I had a couple ideas regarding the exhibition for 2019, but around 2021, around the first quarter of it, um, I was on a another podcast and I was saying, you know, I'm going to do a show and things start unraveling and I was starting to be um, enamored by pink again, this, this color that kind of kept coming up in my life. And um, I wanted to frame it, the show around the idea of what is my relationship with femininity? And then due to my relationship with femininity, how does that play a role in how I see my masculine presence in the world? And um, that was the idea, and it just kept escalating. And then uh, as I got more deeper into it, I realized this was like a show representing um, childhood trauma and how it played a role in um, me growing into a man. So Pikachu got a lot of different, uh, a lot of different, mm-hmm. different interpretations to say the least. Absolutely. I mean that that uh, that alone, man. Just just realizing that uh, from a young age, man, that you were uh, enamored with the the color pink. Uh, just kind of doing my uh, or or sitting and having a conversation with you, man. You said pink was always something like a color that you gravitated to. Man, do you know why that was, or like what? What was that about? I can I can guess now at this age that I'm in, it's probably because it was my first home that my, basically for the majority of my life when I was living with my mother, we were disenfranchised. You know, we got uprooted out of the house that we were living in, so I lived in a lot of different homes. By the time I was six, we moved into Cleveland Heights right next to East Cleveland, and we was in this pink house, and that was the only place I could think of when I actually had a real childhood. After we left that house, is when life got really hard for me. So I think between that and being like a constant in my life with this home that was pink, and then as I was getting older, I just was always 
curious about the whole uh, relationship between men and this color because I guess it's supposed to be a more effeminate thing, but mm. you know, it's the basis of our skin complexion. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we if we stretch, if we take off the, our skin, we got pink, we got reds, and our flesh that's the color that hey. we are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, hey. Hey. So it was just something I was always just, I was uh, I was curious about, you know, it, it became something bigger as I got older. Yes. So I'm looking at the, uh, the, I'm looking at and also thinking about the flyer. So in that flyer, this is the house that you will always remember. Is this the house where you said, you know what, I'm going to pick up a, 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 a paintbrush or what, what was, what, what, what else was going on in that house that made you think about just your art, your artistic journey or made you even use that house as, uh, the, the, I guess the front of your flyer. The front for the show. Uh, that house was, I saw, it was so much that was going on around this time period. When you're a kid, you don't have the, the words to articulate what's going on around you, but you're always watching. And my little brother was being born around the time of us living here. Um, this is when I met uh, a, a, a guy that kind of played a really big role in my life, which is my uh, little brother's father. So it was a lot of working parts with me living there. Mm-hmm. And then I was drawing too in that same time period. This is around the time when I had my mother bought me my first like sketchbook. And I remember <laughs> okay. I used to play video games a lot. So I used to run to the game exchange right next to my house and I would go play, buy games. And in between me playing the games, I used to draw the, the covers of these, these video games. Mm-hmm. I remember doing that. <clears throat> so this house was just like, it was like it was um, the foundation not just for my artwork, but me realizing what real life was, because there was a lot of hardships that was going on around that time period that made me realize what, what real life was about. Hmm. So, man, so I know that a lot of, a lot of young people can uh, relate to that. Is It's always referring to whether it's a video game, whether it's some playing cards, or whether it's a cartoon, always being able to refer to those those. Uh, those images and, and starting to copy them, to, to draw them or try to uh, manipulate them. Well, when you, uh, when you growing up in poverty, you, you, you try to uh, <laughs> use whatever you can. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. <laughs> the, the idea initially was, you know, I would, um, all my friends used to have like the good time Warner television where you could pause the TV. We yeah. didn't have that. So, you know, I couldn't pause nothing. So my idea initially when I was a kid is like, if I could pause the show, I could like draw what I saw, but since I didn't have that opportunity with me having my video, <laughs> I was had a game. I could press pause on a per- a certain part of the video, and I could just draw what I saw, or have it because the cover was still. I could just use what I had, so it was like I was. I had to be inspired, so I used what I had around me. Man, so using what you had. And that reminds me. That yeah. reminds me a lot of my my own uh, my own childhood too, man. Terry, when you talk about. Uh, but not to interject and just cut cut it. I just I just had to just show uh, show Terry a, a, a through line. Even I, probably with a lot of us artists, just seeing that how we or like covers from video games and just different things that inspires that we do every day as child as a child uh, inspires our art and creativity. Because I didn't even have when I was coming up, I didn't even have half of what you had as far as like technology to be able. You talk about pause or something, man. I had to literally draw the animatics and the tiny tunes. I just had I just had to draw them from memory, watch the episode, and then run to the table and go draw. 
Yeah, man. Poverty will teach you a lot about like <laughs> you gotta make you gotta make do with what you got. You know, you gotta what make mean? do. You gotta make do, bro. Yeah, and even now I can see definitely how that's bled into uh Mars Sixers practice now because you know being in Cleveland, it's not like it's a huge um uh, art thing, you know. So you gotta mm-hmm. make do with what you got. So it made me a lot more resourceful with using social media, YouTube. You know what I mean? You may you may not have that um that culture here, but you can you can go out to other sources so you can actually create something that's a little bit different from what you see on your day to day. Did you have did you have friends around you that were that were that were doing the same thing? Man, who who kept who kept motivating you to to continue? Because uh, in knowing a little bit about your background, man, you you kind of waited until you were eighteen years old and you said, you know what? Okay, let me pick let me pick this up. Who was there to, to to push you along and say, "Man, keep going, keep going"? Or was it just you? Yeah, honestly, it's funny. It's something I'm like, not to say I'm battling with, but it's just like coming to realization about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like drawing, not even drawing. To be an artist, you know, when you're growing in poverty, nobody's telling you to like. They're not pushing you to go towards that. You know, people. That's not how you think. You know, my mother didn't have it in her because she was just trying to make sure. You know, we pay. She's paying bills. So I didn't yeah. have that foundation, you know, where people was kind of like pushing me. It's so funny. I was just thinking about this recently, but yeah, I didn't have no foundation that pushed me. It was just, I had this relationship with this pen and paper, this pen and paper, and it just was always around me. But as I got older, I pushed away from it because I was becoming more of like a, it was like survival. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have time to be able to express my emotions. I was trying to get some money in my pocket. So it just became a thing. It was on the back burner. And as I got mm-hmm. older, it just got reintroduced to me accidentally. Cause I was not thinking about no artwork, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was thinking about the, the, the short term, which was how can I get some money in my pocket so I don't got to ask somebody that can't help me and it's going to make me feel even worse about my predicament. So, Wow. Yep. Wow. wow. I know I know. Antoine and I, you know, we talk about, or even uh, – Antoine, just in general, when he's talking to some of the young people and, and they and they get to this subject, starving artists. Was that was that something yeah. that you were always thinking about? Where people were kind of like, "Man, you can't get no money doing that." What, what is that? What What are you? Oh doing? yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. No, you hear that? You. That's one of the first things you hear when you bring up the idea. Well, I'm gonna be a. I'm gonna be a painter. I'm gonna be a cartoonist. You know what I mean? This is this is the problem. I won't even say it's a problem with society. Because it's just the reality of it. When you have a mind like ours, you don't see things as black and white as a lot of people do. It's a lot of shades of gray in how we perceive success and how you can get there. So the average person, if you don't have like a set idea on how you go from point A to point B, it scares them. So to be an artist, which is a very free-form business, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. So they would never Mm -hmm. promote the average person to go run for it. Because I can say confidently, even with me seeing, you know, my amounts of success in this in this area, I wouldn't suggest this for the average person because it's not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. So nope. I think that's why people will throw that that idea of the starving artist because they're trying to tell you, you know, come back to reality. Don't get too far out there. You know what I mean? Like it's the unknown for the average person. <clears throat> but it also and, ooh, a lot of niggas don't make it. I, <laughs> I ain't even trying to be funny. It's just one of them things. A lot of people don't make it in this field, and it takes more than just having skill. You know what I mean? You have to be a businessman, which I commend y'all about, 
because y'all found a way to transition over from just, you know, I'm an artist to I am a businessman that uses this, this, uh, these, these canvases, this artwork yeah. to get me from point A to point B. That don't happen too often. No, and, and what you're saying is so true. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think one the number one thing the reason why a lot of a lot of creatives don't make it is because number one they didn't believe in themselves from the jump because of mm-hmm. the negative uh, perception of how creatives are uh, often painted with oh you gonna starve how you gonna feed yourself how you gonna do this how you gonna do that everything is a business even you going to work is a business but you just have to figure out how you can sell yourself I think you always said like I think I, I remember you saying that the one thing I can do is. I know how to sell. I know how to talk to people. I know I'm a people's person, and you are. That's half the battle. Most artists don't want to do that work. They don't want to go out and make relationships. They don't want to go out and put themselves out there. They want everyone else to just do it for them. So I think the advantage of of what you doing, what you are doing in your career so young, is that you you already have the mindset that hey, this is it for me. And so you bought in. Once you buy in, the universe has no other way but to respond in the in the way where you're going. And then the the rest is just you believing in that you're gonna get there. And so if you don't have that mindset, <clears throat> you're done. done. <laughs> Period. Oh no, you were so man. Listen, <laughs> me, man, me and my brother Ron was just having this discussion, discussion yesterday, and we were saying how this is kind of like this goes into what we're talking about. They have a podcast, and in their podcast. They're talking about, you know, creating business for yourself and being self-sustainable. And mm-hmm. we were talking about, like, you know, the, the average person, they want to have a job. And he was, you know, he, he's not he's not against people doing that. But he was just saying, like, we can't have those conversations with people because that's not our mindset no more. You know, we yeah. want to be businesses. So yeah. due to that, it's going to be a disconnect between how we see life compared to these other people. And it's yeah. nothing against them. But if you talk to them about these plans that you got going on, the only thing they're going to give you is their perspective, and their perspective is what got them in that job. We don't want a job. Yeah. <laughs> we want to create a legacy. That don't happen too often. Yep. Yep. Wow. And that's and that's the reason why that's the reason why when you told me what you wanted to do to further yourself as an artist, <clears throat> I, I I I was speechless because it's nothing that I could say uh, to you when uh, when an artist has made their mind up. The intention is there, therefore, you already believe and it's already created and it's already there. Now you just got to walk into it. So I don't have, I shouldn't have, I, I don't have no words to put on someone else's uh, path and dream. I just be quiet and allow that to let, allow that to manifest because one thing you don't want to do is when when God is creating to get in the way of what He's creating. So man, what you're saying is. You can't have conversations and share everything with everybody who isn't ready to hear that. That's a fact, man, and that's something I had to come to terms with because I'd be uh, if I if I have any form of trusting you, I'd be wanting to just expose it all because like I don't have a lot of people I can't do that with. But even with the people that you do believe you had a connection with, you got to know when to hold them and fold them. And as a man, that's one of the biggest powers that we have is we got to know when to we got to control ourselves. <laughs> you know. Facts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for some for certain people, like it can be a family member, certain people that can love you like wholeheartedly, they can shoot nothing but poison your way because they just don't see it. And even in their intentions of trying to be good, they could really deter you from your dreams. So that the best thing you could do 
is just wait for the success to hit so then they can see exactly what you were doing because it won't hit them until they see the real results of it. They're not there. They're not supposed to be there for the journey. And that's just not family members. It's for a lot of people. Yeah, it's no question about that. It's no question about that. And, and, and your, your belief kicking in at such a young age, man, I think that that is, that's, that's power in itself. And to know that a year ago you said that you would do and it happened. I think that that's, that, that, that to me, man, to find yourself in a gallery and, and, a year, a year later, to say to yourself, to set your intentions and, and actually do it, to execute it, to lock yourself in, to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to create this body of work for something. Man, that's, that's, that's so powerful to me, man. I uh, Just to kind of uh, switch gears a little bit, to kind of bring people into the pinkest hue, man. I mean, developing this body of work and one piece that I, that I just, that kind of sits with me is Angel Glenmount and Avondale. When, when I when I think about yeah. when I think about the Museum of Creative Human Art, and I think about just us and just separate from that, myself, Antoine, you, I can't help but think. And I look at this picture of a young boy being watered, pouring pouring water, flowers all around him. Man, that to me says so much about our young men about uh, young ladies as well, but this speaks to, you know, a young man, but I think it's so important, man, to, to, to give you your flowers now. Absolutely. Because man, who knows what the future is going to hold, but you, and we want to make sure that we encourage you on the way, man. So this piece, Terry Joshua, angels on Glen Mountain Avondale, man, can you kind of bring people in on this piece, man, to kind of, you gotta describe to them, just the mindset behind what made you create this? The painting was coming up around maybe, um, it happened maybe a month and a half, or yeah, maybe like a month and a half before the show was supposed to start running. And um, it was so much going on in my mind. I was thinking a lot about my childhood, uh, some of the things I, I, I just couldn't get from the people I needed, you know, most. And um, I wanted to make like a, you know, a painting to represent, you know, that inner turmoil and trying to overcome it because the, the show is really about childhood trauma and how it affects you. And as you get older, if you really want the results that you're looking for, you got to take a couple steps back to see, you know, where you came from. And where I came from was a broken home. And I'm trying to repair, you know, certain things that maybe was not, out, it was out of my control. But now I have complete control over my emotions and trying to, you know, learn the best way to to move past them. And that painting is like a prayer, if you ask me. Because the idea of it is if you was to look at that painting, because chronologically with the show, it's the second to last painting of the show. But if you was to look, if you was to turn around, you would have saw um, the beheading. And the beheading, which is another painting in the show, if you look at the crown, which is the same crown that the young boy is wearing, the crown has hearts inside of them and the hearts are broken. Right, so by right. the end of the show, those hearts have been, they've been reformed and they're shaped and they're new. And the, even the, the color and the hue of the hook is more vibrant because now I've repaired myself so that I can move forward. And it's a prayer that I would hope that I can get to that point in life because I haven't got there yet. But it's something that I want to see one day where I can really say I should get in this person, this circumstance, who I was at a certain time period in my life, because that's what I'm really searching for. I'm trying to find peace of mind. 
because there's a lot going on out here, man. I'm not even talking about with the world. I'm talking about inside of myself. All right. So that's what the painting is. Do you think? Do you think like? Uh, <clears throat> do you think that you're that not only are you painting, you're actually writing a poem visually? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was calling the paintings in high school visual love letters, but I was realizing it wasn't just about love; it was just visual letters. I was communicating, you know, certain words or even emotions I just couldn't articulate with my with, with my mouth. So instead, I was just putting them on canvases. So yeah, in my head, they are poems. You know what I mean? They are letters. And if you look at them, you can really see, like, reasonings to everything. I didn't do nothing in that show without intention. And that's the beauty of having a space where you can articulate a full thought. It's not just one working part. It was so many layers to that show. And I was so appreciative to see how the community was receptive to it because it had so many beautiful reviews over it. And I didn't know what was going to happen because it was so open. I was really telling people when they would come in and after they saw the show and they would talk to me, they was like, how do you feel about it? It's like, uh, and I would tell them, it's like, it's a room and I'm sitting here in the middle and my my heart is open for people to see the inside of yep. me. That's a yep. crazy thing to do. Yep. Especially yep. as a man. <laughs> as a man. Oh, man. man. Vulnerable, man. Yeah. The vulnerability, I, I think art makes, <clears throat> art makes, the artists feel naked. I always say it's like it's like me standing in the middle of a room, bearing my soul, but naked. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. when you walk into a room full of people and they're able to see what's on your mind. Like that's like what was that movie? The Minority Report. Like you could read people's minds. Oh, was that the movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. And you can get arrested, or you you know people yeah. can see what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And so what people don't understand about art, and I always say that even in our community, people get offended. But I say, the reason why I say y'all don't, uh, a lot of black folks don't understand art is because we're always looking for the technical skills. Mm-hmm. We're never really paying attention to understanding that the artist is, it, that, that art starts from an emotional place first. Mm-hmm. Like, so the idea comes is coming from a place and so you gotta you gotta start to say well why did this artist create that but then now the the public has to also critically use critical thinking and say and say oh what is he trying to say this is what he's trying to say so man i look at your work as like visual poems man like you're literally bearing your soul and letting people in but as a black man, you're letting people in. I mean, I, how therapeutic is that? Like, that's crazy. Like, oh man, listen, it was beautiful. It was a couple of days <laughs> where after everybody left, right before we were supposed to close, and I would have to go into the bathroom, and like, I was teared up a little bit. I'm like, it's a, yeah. it's a very heavy experience for me, and I needed it because I had so much going on in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, especially if you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel like you have nobody to talk to, and that is a, that's a very scary. That's what drives men to suicide. I'm not saying that that's something I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not yeah. whatsoever. I got you. <laughs> got to put that disclaimer, baby. I'm good. Fact, <laughs> <laughs> fact. But just the reality of it, you know what I mean? Like, if you look at percentage-wise, men kill themselves at a higher rate than anybody else, and black men specifically do at a really disproportionate rate compared to everybody else. And I believe the reason for it is 
we don't communicate and due to that, since we do feel as though, you know, it's us versus the world, you know what I mean? We self-implode. And I do believe, like, this show aided me and not, you know, imploding, you know what I mean? Because I... It could have been a, con- a couple conversations where I could have said some foul, you know, things to people, but instead I was able to transform these emotions and this baggage, and I made something beautiful out of it. And if that's not like the the <laughs> that yeah. if that's not like the definition of creativity, I don't know what is. Safe space. Mm-hmm. It's, safe, it's a safe space for a black man to actually say what's on his mind without. Uh, and I'm not even going to say that. I mean, like, we still get judged for the work that we make, probably even harder than than, than our women. You know what I'm saying? Because mo- ma- mainly uh, it's more women in, in the art space as far as, like, uh, <clears throat> you know, controlling things and different things like that. As we see, like, even in our, you know, in our city, um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of women that run this. And so you, 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 you have to also be able to, uh, to show that side of yourself where even if you do get judged for maybe your opinion that you have to have the, uh, you know, the, the fortitude to actually stand in front of people and let them and stand and stand on what you believe and also have, uh, have the courage to stand on what it is that you, that you believe as well, because people will attack you for what it is that you create. Um, whether it's negative, uh, whether if it's good, uh, good criticism or bad criticism, you're gonna hear something. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, I just, I just commend you, man, for being a young person that's bearing your soul, uh, you know, and, and doing it with, doing it with no fear. Is that's, that's what I see. It's, it's fearless, man. So I commend you on that for sure. You know, I appreciate it. I'm just, I'm trying to live by that whole, that whole quote, you know, uh, uh, list of something. What's he called? Uh, you gotta. You have to have something that you believe in so much that you are willing to die for it. Because if you're not, if you don't have that inside mm-hmm. of you, you're not living properly. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you gotta have something that's pulling you and making you feel a certain emotion to the point where you'll you'll go to war for it. And for me, I feel like my whole idea was trying to get deeper into our world and learning how to, you know deal with this business in the best in the most proper way i want to show men it's other ways out here you know what i mean because yes yeah. i will say you know women i i love them as well but i'm <laughs> talking about men because there's yeah. a lot of guys out here i see it with my older friends associates yeah. older people it is a lot of men out here that had an opportunity but they didn't run for it because they may not have had the tools to or yeah. the people around them wasn't really they wasn't they wasn't they wasn't coaching them through what real life is. Real life is warfare and it's not the warfare of your hands, it's not mental warfare. That's where real kings and leaders are born. And a lot of men out here don't got that. And I do believe with me meeting y'all, learning how the world goes with going into a museum space, doing a show, it seems mm-hmm. to me a whole different form of, of battling a system that yeah. may not be, you know, tailored to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree. Wow. Wow. Totally agree. Yeah, that's 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 heavy. That's heavy in itself, man. I, I think that, you know, when you talk about trauma and you talk about your childhood, what better way to release any of that, all of that, than to go on campus to yeah. express yeah. yourself through poems, to express yourself through uh, music. So these are our outlets, but it's how do we begin to talk the 
the things that aren't said, the things that we don't want to talk about. So say, for example, with a lot of your paintings, you're talking about things that are deep. And it's not too many people that really want to go there. So when we talk about looking at art, it's a lot of avoidance there. Because some yeah. things remind me of, oh, I, I would rather not talk about that. because So I'll, I'll move on and not look at what, in some respects, would be looking in the mirror. And how do we how do we begin to value it? I think beginning to value art and not just looking at it for the fancy, but to value it is, is to saying, I'm going to change inside of me. I'm going to change myself. I'm going to try to get rid of this trauma that I'm dealing with as an individual. So I think that, you know, you from a man, Terry, man, I think that this is also like a being a teacher. Because in your in your work in your work, man, you're sitting talking to high schoolers about your traumas, and, and they're nodding their heads like, "Oh yeah," they're having more questions. I mean, you sat and talked to, I want to say, groups. Man, I'm talking to seventy year olds, you're talking <laughs> right. to forty year olds, thirty year olds, fifteen year olds. It's across the board. This is what I will say because mm-hmm. it was a guy. I remember when I was like ten years old, my mother used to take me to church all the time, and I hated it. And I used to fall asleep all the time, and then she would smack me on my head and still tell me, you know, that's not why we're here. I think we've all been there. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Definitely man. been there. Right. It, it's amazing how sleepy you get in that damn <laughs> That's the sleepiest building. Right. You want to get some good sleep, go to church. Oh, man. It's crazy. But um, this one pastor in particular we were going to, I wish I could find this man. His name was Pastor Weary in East Cleveland. We used to go to this man's church. And this one day he was he was like prophesying over the kids, but he came over to me. And he said, Joshua, one day you're gonna be a mighty man. And you're gonna um, you're gonna change the thoughts of not just people of your age group, but uh, but elders. And you're gonna you know what I mean? You're gonna be a, a voice of reason for a lot of people. My mother, my mother wrote down what this man said, and it was always on my head because I guess I was supposed to be some form of a leader, and I appreciate it. I don't think I was walking it for a long time. But I think indirectly, if it is something that you're meant to be, you will fall in line with it or you'll die. Mm. Mm. I need a bomb. You got on that to, one. bro. Hold on, you got to say that again. What'd you say? I don't know, but let's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I know whatever it was, it was something that was very true. But I do know for a fact. What, oh, oh, here you go again. Whatever you are supposed to be in this lifetime. It's either you're going to bend to what you have to become or you die. And that is true. If you look at a lot of people that have hit their peak in life early, like at 20, 32, whatever the case, and they get nothing more, it's because they weren't falling in line with their purpose in life. And I just, that scared me. Even as a young kid, I think I understood this. And when I became a teenager and I was starting to face the people as in my teachers in school, and I'd be like, you know, you hate your life and that's why you talk to the kids this way. It made me start to realize a lot of people, they had a shot and they didn't take it. And then they live in regret. That is a scary place. It's a prison. It's a prison, man. It's a prison, yeah. man. It's a, I, think, I think what you're saying is, uh, is it, 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 it's what a lot of this generation, even the, even the cats, that, cats in my generation uh, are going through, is that they had a shot, right? You got, you got, you got guys. That, that that had their shot and an opportunity to uh 
to walk into their purpose. But then they don't take full advantage of it when it's their time. But then when they see someone young like yourself come along, they get intimidated by your success because you are really a walking mirror to their failure. And so, and so they begin to project everything that happened to them onto you. And then they treat you like crap because really deep down inside, they admire who you are because you did something that they were afraid to do. And it's all rooted in fear. That's a fact. That's a fact. And we can we can make it we can go from the macro, which is your purpose, to make it the micro. You can just be like in high school where it's the nigga that could have had the girl, but due to to him being too fearful, he didn't shoot it. Somebody else yep. got him. So now you over here looking at him, bro, he didn't do nothing wrong. He didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and now you, you live with, And now you, you know live with you man, I wish man. I would have done that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's exactly how the and I think it's the human condition to do that indirectly and we have to learn how to train our minds so we don't do that. But to get back to the answer in my personal opinion, when you talk about all this stuff, I believe that in my heart of hearts, we have control over our minds for the good or bad. And I feel like mm-hmm. the biggest trick of the enemy is making people of our culture believe that for the darkness that's inside of our humanity it's a disease and we have no control of our emotions. And I believe that is just, uh, that's asinine. I think it's stupid. Just as we can learn how to regulate our emotions to happiness, we didn't know how to regulate our, our, our hatred, our anger, our envy, and learn how to control these emotions because that's exactly what they are. So a lot of people are having this belief inside of them that they have no control over the darker parts of who they are. So due to that, they become victims of themselves. And you see that a lot within people. And they will, they do all this pseudo intellectualism where they will put words around it so that they feel better about what they choose to fall in line with. Mm-hmm. And it's ignorant. I have not, if you think about it, words have vibration. So if you are saying all these horrible things about yourself or you believe them, you're literally living on a, on a lower vibration in life. There you go. And a lot of people choose to do that to themselves. So, so in my mind, it's almost like they're choosing to sit in a casket and they're waiting for them to go six feet deep. That is crazy. That is really yeah. crazy. And there's so many people doing this, and it has nothing to do with age whatsoever. It's nope. about wherever you are at mentally. I've met a lot of people. Mind you, I'm 21, but I'm not stupid. I know it's a lot of people that's older than me that are weaker than me. And I'm talking about mentally. And you can mm-hmm. see it on them. That's scary. So now they're having children, and then their children are picking up these traits. That creates generational trauma, and then that creates a generational. It's a, it's a literal, it's a, it's a culture that goes along with these people that will literally go on from family to family, family to family. Somebody got to break it, and I believe. And why I'm saying this, I think that was the side of my family for a long time, and I believe if I care for not just my little brother but my lineage, I have to, I have to grab, I have to take up like a mantle, and I got to run. Man, man, you, you and, and and it goes and it goes back to the the very thing that everything is rooted in fear. You see what I'm saying? Like that spirit of fear causes people to freeze up, or it causes people to make decisions irrationally, or it causes people to put something on someone else. So I think what you're, you know, put their thoughts on someone else in the form of I'm protecting you. From yourself, no, how can you protect me 
from myself when you haven't walked in your purpose. Mm-hmm. So how can so how can you tell me how to do something or that what I'm doing is wrong when you didn't even do it or you're not even walking in your purpose because you know how I know you're not walking in your purpose is because you telling me how I shouldn't walk in mine. A person that's comfortable with themselves and a person that uh, believes in themselves, they automatically know when a person is vibrating high, get out their way. Mm-hmm. Get out their way. Mm-hmm. Trees, <laughs> trees bear fruit. <laughs> we can <laughs> see the fruit of your labor. It's that simple. There you go. You know what it's I'm saying? Wow. Wow. Damn. I, I, I'm almost. I'm like. So yeah, man. I just. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to not become what I've seen around me. Like it, I got people be asking me what I'm scared of. My biggest fear is to wake up, and I think I said this to y'all. Is to wake up in my, you know, in my forties and fifties, and I say, wow, I had all this time. And I've done absolutely nothing with it, or I feel as though I didn't really. I didn't hit the mark. That is a. That's a fear of mine. And even with me saying it's a fear, I can't even say it's a fear. It's a place I know I'm never gonna go. Because that's why I'm working so hard right now in this age that I'm in. Because in my head, I feel like I'm still behind. But I already know it. It's kind of like, um, y'all know how some people, they will put the clock an hour ahead so that they always feel as though they're late. So they're always ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing mentally to myself when, I'm, when I say these things. Because I already know I'm doing pretty well. But I want to keep hitting the mark in my head. Yeah, yeah, setting those goals for yourself. I mean, I, I remember, I remember walking into your your studio and you have a um, a chalkboard up, and you have these goals set. You have words of affirmation. You have books that will continue to encourage you, to motivate, to uh, give you the education that you need, the history that you need. But more importantly, when I look at that board and I see those goals and I see that you are accomplishing them. You're setting yourself up for success, and that's what's that's what's encouraging about uh, encouraging about it all is that you know sometimes we can miss the mark, man, because we just don't set the goals and we don't go after them, or we give up. Where did we go wrong when we gave up? How did we stop believing? How do we do that? You know, when we have those people around us, or you know, even us mentally, just saying, man, I, yeah. I just don't have it. I just don't have it. But who do we have around us that's going to push us? But if you don't, you got man, you have to have those goals to refer back to. That's to keep you they going. anger you. Yeah. yeah. Man, so I, so what, I love what that. A, Go ahead. One question I got off what you just said, Mike, was uh, how do you feel how do you feel about the scene here in Cleveland as far as like your elder statement, statesmen and art, uh, being mentors and having, because one thing I, I've noticed about you is that you have an old soul. How do, and, and you're, you're around who you're around, but who, who, who is it around you? And it don't have to be us. But who is it around you, or is it some some some, some elder artist um, that's around that you that you feel comfortable going to, or that has helped you in the past, or do you even feel that you have that type of community here in Cleveland? 
Yeah, I don't got it. I ain't I don't got no art family. I don't got none of that. But I do have y'all, and I do appreciate that y'all came into my life. But before y'all, uh, before I met y'all, and I even met y'all before we start actively working together, I didn't see that in Cleveland whatsoever. It's no art scene here. You know, it's people that made that. I won't. Yeah, you know, they made it in their own format. You know, yeah. but but <laughs> it's not much here, and I'm not about to step on nobody's toes because I appreciate different people's legacies. But I didn't see nobody I wanted to even sculpt or I wanted to work. I didn't I didn't I didn't see nobody I could um I could be mentored by. You know, so instead gotcha. of that, I looked to outsource sources. You know, I can say when I was a kid, because I didn't have no father around, music fathered me, you know, hip hop fathered me. So I was listening mm-hmm. to certain people to learn certain things. Kendrick Lamar was damn near like a surrogate father to me with <laughs> learning how to buy wow. works and all this other stuff. So if I was doing that as a kid, I literally just went back to what I knew. So I looked at Kanye for artistic reasons as a mentor to look up to because this man literally transformed his life and it's been so many different variations to what he's became. So that's mm-hmm. who I look up to for the inspiration. But as for the people that are in my life, like literally in my life, between y'all, but the main people, and y'all were asking this, like, as a kid, that I had people that was telling me about, like, why do you, you know, keep going with the artwork? This is who you're going to become. I didn't have that as a child, but ever since I was 18, my brothers was around me. You know what I mean? I've had Sam. Yeah. I've had Tyrone. I've had yeah. I have Lincoln. I got Gully. These are my boys, and they keep me on. They keep me on. They, they make me know, like, this is what you got going on. This is who you're going to become. We're not we're not meant to be average. They always pouring into me. You're gonna become a millionaire. We're gonna be rich. We're gonna be doing this, that, and the third. You hear it so much. You start to believe it. And I do believe it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. All my friends are gonna be successful. And that's why I keep them around me. And I've cut off I've I've trimmed the fat of the people that shouldn't have been around. And it's nothing against them, but until they figure out what they want to do with themselves, they I can't let them bleed on me. Because all my niggas is doing something. That's that that's strength right there, man. I I just had to ask that because I know uh Stephen has a uh, a lot of people here who feel entitled to uh success in their own city just because they've been here for a long time or they've been doing things in the city for a long time. But I always feel like your legacy also has to, you know, uh out you know, you know, over you know it has to, it has to, what word am I looking for? Uh, uh, it has to exceed past just your, your, your art mm-hmm. that, that you do. You have to pour into somebody mm-hmm. because if you're not passing anything along, then you don't create a legacy for yourself. You know what That's I'm saying? That's a fact. Like, That's why Daisy was talking about he's going to get it to Blue so Blue can get it to Blue. Right. Blah, blah, blah. That's how it goes. Yeah. Duplicating right. yourself as well. Yeah. Duplicating Mary yourself. That's how it gets built. You feel me? Yep. Yep. And Mike said it too. Duplicating. That's it. Yep. When you talk about Kanye, I mean, did he not duplicate himself in all the, it, it, in terms of giving back, but then also that mentality? All his friends. <laughs> the ones who, who said, you know what, I see something, I see an opportunity, I'm going to use what I have to, to create another opportunity. I'm going to do what, I'm going to do, I'm going to believe in myself enough. Mm-hmm. Virgil, yeah. I'm going to believe in myself enough. How, how do you, how do you do that? How do you keep people mm-hmm. around you that's going to help push you along, that's going to inspire you? 
So you're doing a yeah. great job at that, man. And and being intentional about it, man. I see, I see it happening, man. I mean, I uh, I start thinking about the uh, the jacket that you guys had, the Spencer Hodges jacket, man, that you were wearing, and and I think about yeah. how you all are saying, "Hey, let's support one another. Mm-hmm. Let's push this forward." Not just because of the name, but we're going to make sure it's quality. We're going to make sure it looks good. Mm-hmm. We're going to create value around it. So mm-hmm. I love that. It's a lot more easier to support your, your people when your people is creating quality. You know what I mean? I've been seeing a lot of people talking about, you know, people, they, they posting celebrities, but they ain't posting my small business. You know, if the, if the small <laughs> business is something that actually to be admired and you see the quality in it, people going to do what needs to be done. And all my friends, what they got going on, I actually will want to support because it's quality stuff. Yeah. yeah. None of us is lollygagging. We don't have delusions of grandeur. Like, we really, I really do believe it. We are all chosen and we're all actively participating in making sure that we become successful. So it's so much easier for me to be able to support my brother because what my brother is doing, I admire wholeheartedly. Like, if I need to switch over, you know what I mean? If I wasn't a painter, I would love to be doing what he got going on because it's fire. Right, 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 mm-hmm. wow. right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's real quick. Uh, this is the Museum of Creative Human Arts Artist Talk. I'm Michael Russell. I'm Antoine Washington. Man, and we just continue to inspire the creation of art in underserved communities. And we have on to on today Terry Joshua, and he's just kind of giving us some some uh, some more context to who he is, what the show Pinkish Hue was all about his artist journey talking about just from a young, from a young age, you know, his, his, his mentality and, you know, growing up and making sure he surrounds himself with the right people and, and getting over trauma and how to get over trauma, how he got over trauma or how he continues mm-hmm. to get over trauma. Because we, we know that it's always one of those, 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 I'm not going to say a battle, but one of those things that we just have to continue to, uh, to do i mean because it's not going anywhere unless we decide it's going to go somewhere and we put it out there like terry's doing yeah. on, on the canvas like antoine does on the canvas some of us work out some of us get to the studio how do we find ways to get over this trauma that we're dealing with mentally and get over it so now that we can focus on our goals and begin to accomplish them from a young age even from an older age, because it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. So, man, I just wanted to, you know, just pause and just have that break just to kind of remind people that this is the Museum of Creative Human Art, Artist Talk, and we have today Terry Joshua. Uh, so, man, Terry, real quick, man, just uh, I have one name. that I Before we, you know, we kind of wrap up, man, I have one name, Mary Johnson. What she mean to you? What's that name mean to you in terms of your development? Your what's that man? What's that name mean to you, man? You said Sharon Johnson. Sharon Johnson. No, S. Mary yeah, Johnson. Johnson. Yep, Sharon Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said Mary Johnson. I was about to say Mary Johnson. Yeah. But uh, uh, no. Uh, my mother means the, she means the world to me. You know, our relationship is not easy. But I know it's reason for why I've had to deal with this, the the situations I've dealt with, and I know that it built me into who I am. You know, so I have no regrets over you know some of the things that is left unresolved or will you know slowly get to a point where we can have 
better understanding of both of our viewpoints in life. But I love my mom. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. she showed me what hustle is. She was the first person that showed me love at a moment when I needed it. And um I got nothing but respect for her, man. You know what I mean? It's not easy being a parent. So so man, one last good question, man, that I uh I get a get a few um direct messages or emails asking how did Terry get an opportunity like that? How can I get an opportunity like that? What's some what's some encouraging words for young people out there, man, that just looking for the how? How can I? How can I be the next? What's some encouraging words, man, just for, for the young people, man, out there that's just that that are painting right now? Or not, or just looking at the canvas like, man, I, I just, I'm trying to find the words, man. Antoine, man, you can kind of chime in as well. Just some encouraging words for these young people. Man. I know it's a happy one. <laughs> right. No, no, no. I was just, I was just thinking over, you know, like yeah. what I want to hear if I was like 18. And, not even 18, whatever moment in life I'm in where I'm trying to transition and become something more. I just think about like Tupac, he had this interview that I used to love and he said, good things come to those who stay true. And, um, you know, you got to stay true to your purpose. You got to stay true to your goals that you set for yourself. And um, outside of that, I think it was, it's this rapper I love. His name is Mike. His mother used to say, may God bless your hustle. You know, and I, 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 I'm living by that right now. Like, you know, I'm really hoping that God will see what I got going on and he will he will pour into it, not just me, but the people around me so that I can really make it something that's sustainable. So, just as I would ask for strength, bravery, you know, and wisdom, I would hope the same that other people are doing, you know, for themselves. Like, keep a strong, resilient, and who you believe you are. Keep good people around you. Mm-hmm. Work hard. Mm-hmm. Stay disciplined because motivation is fleeting. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And you got to have nothing but complete confidence in what you believe you're going to become because nobody can help you. If you don't help yourself first, you know what I mean? Like, I am my best friend. I am my number one supporter. I believe I am everything I say I am. And if you don't have that inside of you, you're not going to get where you want to be, man. So you got to really trust in yourself and you got to you gotta love yourself. You got to really believe. Like, I know a lot of people be talking about, whole, oh, you know, narcissism and everything else. You know, it's a, I believe it. You know, it's a very thin line between self-confidence and narcissism. But please, Lord have mercy. Go closer to that area than being. <laughs> I'd rather deal Absolutely. with that. Than, you know me? Because it's like, yeah. at least in that, you really, like, look at all the leaders that we have. The majority of these people, they really believe that they had a goal that was going to not just help them, but the people around them. You can't have that if you, uh, you battling yourself and you don't even know if you believe in who you are. That's a bad spot right there. Right. Absolutely. So that's Man. what I Man, I, I I would I would first depending on where you're at in your, in your life, I would say first thoughts become things to change your mindset. So you asking the question on why he has it and how can I? You already lost. Like you have to already believe and be intentional about what it is that you want. Write things down. It says in the Bible, write your vision down and make it plain. So you have to believe and walk in faith 
and walk in faith with not just saying walking in faith, but actually walking in faith, not just using it as a as a as a as a way to make things sound good when you're really burning and hurting inside and that ain't really how you feel because the thing is is that the universe know you lying and you also know you lying to yourself. So my thing is change your mindset. Believe, have faith, be intentional and stay on your path. Don't look right. Damn, Terry over there doing that. Don't look uh, left. Damn, such and such over there doing that. Because it's, I always use the analogy. It's like you're hammering something in the wall, like you're hanging a picture up. And you have three people. You have three people hanging a picture up. You're in the middle. Terry on the left. The other artist is on the right. And we're all hanging, hanging this picture up. But what you do is when you're, you nail one in, and go straight through because you kept your eye on the nail. But then you hear Terry's go. Then he go. Then you take your eye off your nail and look to the right. And as you go on to uh, hit that nail, you take your eye off and you hit your thumb. And you break your hand. Mm. Now you set yourself back because you got to heal in order to go right back to just do something simple for you to just stay focused on your own nail. So you gotta also stay focused on what's for you and stay focused on your own nail. That's how I always correlate, even myself not paying attention, supporting other artists, showing other artists love, with genuine love, and not being jealous, envious of what your brother or sister is having. You have to change your mindset because all of those emotions gonna come along when you see people getting things that you want. We all had those emotions. Now you gotta change that mindset into he got that is it gonna be hate or is it gonna be hate turning the motivation? And so being a creative, that's where I would say is learn how to change your mindset, because this ain't for the faint of heart. Like Terry said at the beginning, he said it. This job as being an artist and a creative and an entrepreneur is not for people who are weak-minded. If you don't have the strength to pick yourself up and encourage yourself when nobody else is going to encourage you, you will die. Period. And so the reason, so make sure that you stay focused on what's for you because if you write that down on a piece of paper, that's your mission statement. So your mission statement, that's why I said, write it down, make it plain and be intentional. So when you get to thinking about Terry's blessing, take your behind right over there to that damn pool, that, that, that chalkboard like Terry got or like my whiteboard that I got in my studio or if you got a piece of paper, take your ass over there to that to that paper and then refocus and say, oh no, I didn't, on my board it says, I want to show at the moment, not the mocha. Yeah. That's what I'm going But listen, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go back to your own and, board. <laughs> 
<laughs> go back to your own board. You was dropping gems right now. I agree. So that's all. That's that's what it's really all about. And you will understand that the reason why it's not happening for you is because that's not what you ask God for. You asked him to go here, but you seeing another artist going there, and that's they blessing. Go get yours. That's how I believe. What happens? You you looking over here at my? You might be the one going to the Whitney Museum in New York. You never know. You never know. <laughs> and, never know. and to even add more context to it, you know, a lot of times the things that we we believe that we deserve and we may actually do deserve. What happens if the season is not the right? It's not the right time. What happens if we get it? We may squander it. You know, like mm. I'm working parts to it, and I seen that within myself. Man, I wish I would have had this show in 2019 when I was 19 years old. I would have been, I would have been ready. You know what I'm saying? 19 year old Terry would have not been prepared whatsoever. I'll tell you that right now. Man, you guys, you both have uh, kind of left us with something to think about, and that's what, and that's what this is all about. It's the artist's journey. Something to think about. Something to encourage you. Some tools to leave with and going after it. That's what it's all about. Man, Terry, we, we, we definitely appreciate you sitting with us and having a conversation again, man, and, and we look forward to having you again. Uh, man, this is the Museum of Creative Human Arts Artist Talk, uh, Michael Russell. Man, and we're just going to continue to inspire the creation of art in underserved communities. Man, we'll be out next episode. Uh, I guess we'll see who we have. Peace.